Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older men and women howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode, the old dogs ramble about friends, new and old, and their importance as we age. We reveal the truth about Canada's strategic reserves of maple syrup. We explain what's happening when you lose the memory of where you've just been, and it isn't alien abduction. We tell the tale of a guy who joined a search party that was looking for him. And we quietly whine about movie dialogue we can't hear, damn it. The Old Dog's conversation is with Liz McNeil, who is not just a great realtor, but a great advocate for seniors looking for the next move. Stay with us. Paul, tell me. What's on your mind? Uh, I tell you what's been on my mind. I was reading an article uh, the other day about how difficult it is to make friends as you age. Are you talking from personal experience here? I'm thinking about you. Oh. You're spending a lot of time alone. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a natural thing. You know, the first sloughing off of friends happens when people retire. Yeah. Uh, all the friends that you knew through business. You thought were your friends, right? Yes. And, uh, you know, those friends you had when your kids were growing up because mm-hmm. you had kids in common. Yes. And so you end up embittered and lonely. <laughs> uh, and you have a reduced group of friends and acquaintances. And it becomes maybe more difficult to expand that group so, assuming you want to now, are yeah. you are you saying that? Uh, let's make it personal. Okay, okay. It, you have lost friends. I have lost friends. Do you feel the urge to accumulate more friends? Uh, I, I, there's two things here. One is, do I want to try to retrieve or maintain uh-huh. friendships from the past? Yeah. That's a valid question. Very good question. Uh, The other is, uh, do I need to make some new friends that maybe are more parallel to where I am right Mm -hmm. now in life, which is sleeping on the couch (laughs) quite a bit. Uh, But, you know, at this point in my life, I'm very interested, for example, in uh, volunteering. And I could see some of my past friends that wasn't anything they're interested in. Um, so that perhaps there is a new group of friends or potential friends that will emerge around volunteering. Okay. Uh, that's case in point. Yeah. Okay. I, I think the thing is you want more than one pallbearer at your funeral. <laughs> that's help. putting a lot of burden on that one person. Uh, well, well, you know, I think a, a factor in this is as we get older, uh, our social life becomes re- limited. Yeah, but when you mention groups, obviously, if you want to make more friends, join a group, right? Join a group. Right. Some people join a church late in life just to make friends. Uh, there are other groups as well. And when you mention volunteering, there are groups that you can volunteer for, and you'll find a lot of new people that have similar interests. And, and that really is the platform for making new friendships. And, uh, you know, let's face it, at our age, we have a natural drop-off rate of our friends. You know, they're dying. 
you know. And, well, I don't want to uh, make friends with them. I, I can tell you that for sure. Uh huh. Darn! I was going to sell you a seance. <laughs> 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 You know, we've been hearing in the news about the strategic reserve of petroleum, a stockpile of oil to protect against shortages in the U.S. But what about a strategic reserve of maple syrup? What does that protect against? This pod nugget is from the Daily Brief newsletter for November 28, 2021. The Quebec maple syrup producers reserve supply is the world's only strategic reserve of maple syrup. The Organization of Syrup Producers operates somewhat like OPEC, regulating the market for maple syrup. Now, the global market for syrup is much smaller than the market for oil, but it's still sizable. Canada exported about 135 million pounds of maple syrup in 2020, which is about three quarters of the world's market. Now, comparing apples to apples, a barrel of maple syrup is about 20 times the value of a barrel of crude oil and much better tasting. Indeed. This year, poor weather conditions will affect the amount of syrup harvested. And so the Quebec maple syrup producers will release about 50 million pounds from their reserve to make up for the shortfall. Pancake lovers can sleep well tonight knowing that their favorite breakfast will be covered in maple syrup. Bob Dole died on December 5th at the age of 98. He's remembered for his long service in the Senate, his unsuccessful run for the presidency in 1996, and witty one-liners aimed at both Republicans and Democrats. This pod nugget is from the New York Times for December 5th, 2021. Bob Dole was a Republican senator from Kansas for over 35 years. He was a prominent Republican at a time when politicians could disagree without being disagreeable. We choose to remember Bob Dole with a sampler of his wit and wisdom. In 1976, during a vice presidential debate with Walter Mondale, he implied that all wars for the last century were the fault of Democrats. There was an uproar. His response... I was supposed to go for the jugular, and I did. <laughs> My own. In 1980, Bob Dole's campaign for the Republican nomination for president crashed after a disastrous New Hampshire primary. He said the next day that he slept like a baby. Every two hours, he woke up and <laughs> cried. His friend John McCain liked to tell this story. Someone asked Bill Clinton at a gathering of senators if he had read a murder mystery written by a Republican senator. Clinton said that he had, noting that it's a Democratic senator who gets murdered. Yeah, Dole added, it's a happy ending. He didn't spare the Senate either. He once said, if you're hanging around with nothing to do and the zoo is closed, come on over to the Senate. You'll get the same kind of a feeling and you won't have to pay. President Biden called Dole an American statesman, like few in our history, a war hero and among the greatest of the great generation. He was always a friend whom I could look for for trusted guidance or a humorous line at just the right moment to settle frayed nerves. Rest in peace, Bob Dole. It's called transient global amnesia, or TGA. It's a temporary lapse in memory that can't be retrieved. Doctors don't know what causes it or how to prevent it. This pod nugget is from the New York Times for September 17th, 2019. 
People that experience TGA appear to be functioning normally to others. Their brain just isn't laying down any memories. TGA is a benign condition that leaves no lasting effects, just the frustration of not remembering what happened. 25 years ago, I actually had an episode of transient global amnesia. The last thing I remember is leaving home to record a radio commercial, and I woke up two hours later in the parking lot of the recording studio wondering why I was there. During the lost time, I called my agent twice for directions. I arrived at the studio, greeted everyone by name, and recorded a radio commercial with two other actors. It was a very strange day, but I tell you, I've been normal since then. Yeah, that's debatable, Paul. If you are wondering why we are bringing this up, there are two reasons. First of all, while TGA is rare, it usually occurs to men and women over 50. It could happen to you or someone you know. The second reason is that TGA may come in handy as an excuse for bad behavior. But you can only use it once. Remember that name, transient global amnesia. If you think you're lost, just join a search party and maybe you can find yourself. (laughs) This puzzling pod nugget is from Sky News for September 29th, 2021. Bayan Mutlu from northern Turkey wandered away from his friends while partying in a forest. His wife reported him missing when she was unable to get in touch with him for several hours. Meanwhile, Mr. Mutlu joined a search party that was looking for uh, himself. Apparently, he was a man that enjoyed a party, even a search party. When members of the group began calling out his name, he replied, Here I am, which brought an abrupt end to the search. Authorities took his statement before driving him home. It was unclear whether he faced any penalty for his conduct, but you have to admire his willingness to help find himself, don't you think? Yeah, I think we all like to find ourselves, Paul. If you find yourself turning on subtitles when the movie is in English, you're not alone. Movie dialogue has gotten more difficult to understand. This pod nugget is from the website SlashFilm.com for November 30th, 2021. It's not your faulty ears. Industry sound experts say that there are a number of issues that have been getting worse over the last 10 years. Many of the issues happen on the set as the film is shooting. One on-set issue is a director's style preference. They may like actors to speak in a softer, naturalistic style, even when the ambient sound is overwhelming the dialogue. Another issue is a lot of film actors are not stage trained, so they are not used to projecting their voices or articulating their words. A third issue is the sound crew is discouraged from asking for a retake to improve the sound. A picture has to stay on schedule. They may settle for flawed sound, thinking that they can fix it later during post-production. The evolution of technology is also an ingredient. Digital audio and cinema allow for more experimentation, and there's no limit to what can be added to a soundtrack. By the time music is added, the soundtrack can be an assault on the senses. You know, the solution for all this is not simple. Movie executives and directors need to keep in mind how important clean sound is to a successful picture. A movie is storytelling, and there is no story if you can't hear the dialogue. Meanwhile, keep the subtitles on. I know I will. Liz McNeil, 
is the kind of realtor everyone who is on the move is looking for. She's perceptive, knowledgeable, and highly client-focused. She's also a specialist in the particular concerns of seniors, including downsizing and senior living options. In this conversation, Liz talks about her passion for her profession and her customers. Uh, Liz, we like to start by kind of giving us a little inkling of where you came from. Well, your formative years. Formative years. Your formative. You may still be in your formative years. I think I am, yes. I think we all are until the end. I think we're all in our formative years. But I am a native Texan. And before I got into the real estate world and working with older adults making decisions about late in life moves, I was a commercial insurance broker here in Houston for 30 years. And a few years ago, uh, seven years ago, actually, I had just a little health issue that caused me to rethink things. And I made a change and went into the real estate world and started working with these older adults. And I created a seminar series for them. And what's the name of that series? It is Houston Senior Living Series. Okay. And how long have you been doing that? I've had the seminar series for, this would be, this will go into our fifth year. Well, mm-hmm. what prompted you to start a series specifically for seniors? Why are your interest in that? My interest came from a, a very good friend who is the head of the uh, aging ministry for the Galveston-Houston Archdiocese. And so she contacted me one day and said that she does seminars all over the area for older adults, seniors looking for information, and that she had financial planners, elder attorneys, et cetera, but she didn't know anything about real estate and seniors. And so that piqued my interest, and I decided that that was something I am interested in. And I reached out to the Senior Real Estate Institute in Oklahoma City and talked to the founder of that institute. I got the designation from there, the Certified Senior Housing Professional. And I started the seminars with the help of the Senior Real Estate Institute. But you had this health issue, and you felt that there was something about real estate that was healthier than insurance. (laughs) Healthier. Explain that a little bit. (laughs) That's funny, healthier than. Yes, actually, I had breast cancer, and I was at MD Anderson, and I took time off to deal with that and had surgery and radiation. And when I got ready to negotiate a new contract to go back into the commercial insurance world. My husband said, can we talk about this? <laughs> Let's think about it. Because in his mind, I would have been trying to answer emails while they were wheeling me into surgery. And so <laughs> he said, Let's think about, is there something else you'd rather do? And it, I called the company and said, never mind. Thank you for the offer, but I'm going to make a change. And I, my husband said that you've always been interested in real estate. Why don't you think about that? Hmm. And I did. But I will say that it's a big change to make a career change at the age of 55, to say, I'm going to change and I'm going to do something completely different. It's not an unusual story, though, when people have a health challenge. Yes. That it's a time for reappraisal, rethinking what you want to do. And congratulations. Well, thank you. And it is. And I do see it. I see it. Working with older adults, again, making these decisions, I see so many changes that they make that they decide to do things differently. It's fascinating. It really is. Well, and that's the follow-up question. Why did you shift your real estate business to catering to seniors? It was intriguing to me because there are not a lot of realtors who 
specialize in that and work with these with these older adults. And as I got more into it, I realized what a challenge it is for someone to make these decisions at an older time in life and what they're going to do with their home. It's very, very stressful. It's very personal. It's just a really difficult time. And I feel like they need someone who's going to be understanding of that situation. I have put together a network of people throughout the entire city of Houston that specialize in catering to the senior industry, the world of seniors. So it's downsizers, declutterers, movers, elder attorneys, um, gerontologists. Just I have a long list of people who I have put together through my seminars who specialize in doing this, helping these people, because we're all adults, but it's just a challenging time. So they all will come together to help someone make these decisions and make a move. What are some of the other big issues uh, that seniors face when they consider a change in their housing arrangements? The biggest challenge that it's almost 100%, all of them meet, is what do I do with all of this stuff? And so that is so challenging to them, and it can be paralyzing. They can open the door to a room and look inside and say, oh, no, I can't do it, and close the door and walk away and just leave it till the next time they open the door. So uh, in my seminars, many times I'll ask um, all of the attendees, you know, who has a two-story house? And usually 60, 75% of them will raise their hands. And then I say, and who goes up to the second floor regularly? And the hands all come down because <laughs> because people will have a two-story house and they don't ever even go upstairs. Is that right? And so that's really interesting. What do they do? How do they clean out that stuff? How do they get rid of it and get prepared to move? How do they go from a 3,000-square-foot home to a, an 800-square-foot apartment if they want or a 1,500-square-foot townhouse maybe? So that challenge is overwhelming. And I'm sure that these, these consultations are very emotionally charged because sometimes you probably need to recommend that they go to assisted living. And that's a barrier for a lot of people are our age. Jim, yes. and my age, not your age. Well, yes, mine too. It, it, it is something. But, but I'll just clarify that and, and make, make the point that I don't ever suggest those things. That usually what happens is someone calls me and says, I need to talk to you about selling my house. They will say that. Or I need to talk to you about selling mom and dad's house. Mm -hmm. And I always start out with a conversation. What's going on? Why do you think you need to sell your house? Why do you want to sell your house? What is it you're looking for? And so I start out with that. I don't start out going in and looking at it like, okay, what's your house worth? What's it going to sell for? What are they selling for in the neighborhood? I do that, but that's not the initial Thing. The initial conversation is to find out why they think they need to move to assisted living. I get calls that say, I need to move to assisted living. And I say, well, tell me about what's going on. Why do you think that? Well, I, the house is too big and I, I want to declutter. I want to get out. I want to do this. And then I'll say, do you have any health issues? No. Well, then you don't need to move to assisted living. <laughs> you need to look at another option of independent living. Yeah. So that you don't need assisted living right. if nothing's going on. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so, so it's, they're not informed properly. Exactly. They need to know more about the options for people who want to move out of a big house into something else. That's exactly right. And so I will explain to them what are the options, starting out with 55 plus apartments. What's that like? What's independent living? What is assisted living? What is memory care? What is a secured unit? 
memory care secured unit. What is that? And then what is skilled nursing? What happens? Mm-hmm. What's rehab? They'll ask those questions. What does it mean to be in a rehab unit? And so I can answer those questions. And I also then can refer them to experts that can help them. So what do you do with a client that insists their home is worth a million dollars? <laughs> and you know comparables are 250000 Boy, does that happen all the time. <laughs> so how do you handle that one? Well, you know, I, I work with clients of all ages, actually. So I work with the two divisions of my business, working with the older adults, making the decisions, and then also working with clients of all ages. And I will tell you, across the board, that happens. It doesn't matter how old you are. People always think that their home is worth more than it might be on the market. What is the market bear? So when someone comes at me with that kind of situation, I explain to them that I don't make a decision about what your house is worth. I come with facts and I'm going to tell you what the market will bear for your home in your neighborhood. And then I give them the facts. Yeah, but the numbers in Palo Alto (laughs) suggest that my house here in Houston is worth a lot more. (laughs) That's exactly right. Or I've got a cousin who knows the market. Uh, Okay, let's talk about open houses. Okay. Do you have a favorite cookie recipe? (laughs) I don't do the cookies in the open houses, though. Well, forget that. (laughs) Especially the way the market's been right now. You don't even have to have cookies in the in the open house, but um, but it does smell good when you walk in there. Mm-hmm. So I do have a friend, a realtor, who uses a, a, an apple pie candle. So oh. she puts that oh. apple pie candle in the kitchen uh, as soon as she gets there. Best $10 investment she I ever want, made. I want the pie. I don't <laughs> want the candle. I know. I want to smell yeah. the real pies. Well, I'm really interested in the the seminars that you have been broadcasting. If people are interested in finding out some more about that, what would you recommend they do? Uh, if someone is interested, you can always reach out to me at LizMcNeil at KW.com. And that's L-I-Z, M as in Michael, C, N as in Nancy, E-E-L at KW.com. And my phone number is 713-826-2731. And and tell us some of the topics that you've covered in the past. Oh, gosh. Our topics are so interesting. And I I bring in expert panelists. I've had seminars on elder law uh, where I've had three elder law attorneys on this panel. So I've had topics on that, on, on elder law, on probate. What is probate? The truth about probate or the truth about senior living or the truth about assisted living. What is that? The truth about home health and home care. Most people don't know that those are not the same thing. They're two separate things. Home health is one thing where you actually have health care, and the other is home care where you have companions and people to help you. So most of my seminars are informational. It's giving people information and educating them on senior living and how to age properly and comfortably. Well, given all that you are experiencing right now, Liz, do you think that you're going to continue in real estate? My husband, I will tell you, has also worked in the commercial insurance world uh, for 40 years, and he recently left that employment and is going to work with me in real estate. So I'm very excited about that, to have a partner in the business. And in my mind, I can continue to do this as long as I want to. Well, you've chosen a a business model where you really don't age out of it. You he, age into it. It's really you? true that yeah. you say that because you can. And and I uh, worked with a person years ago, and his wife was in real estate. And she is now, I want to say, 87. 
That's so amazing. You really yeah. can keep doing this yeah. <laughs> if you choose to. Yeah, sure. And and you can scale it up or down depending on how much free time you want. That's exactly yeah. right. You can do that. And if you enjoy serving, if you have a servant's heart, you, you can't beat it because every day you get to serve people. Like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. There are more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.